1: The morning show. The home team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave.
2: Crossover, step back.
1: Ah! back Right here on 960theref.com what's up everybody san franco chris brain it's another edition of the crossover podcast right here on 960 theref.com plenty to get to today we're gonna do an all football show Because it's June and because we kind of feel like it. So we're going to talk a little bit of a preview kind of of the SEC and the college football in general. Thanks to our buddy Phil Steele, whose magazine is out uh, right now. We're also going to talk about Georgia and their scheduling and maybe a a divide amongst the fans in terms of what Georgia should do in terms of scheduling in-state opponents. But, Brain, we'll start off with the Phil Steele because it's our favorite time of the year and we get to peruse the
2: magazine uh yeah i picked mine up on uh tuesday of this week as we uh as we talk i think it did hit newsstands on the the 26th that is correct i know he's had it available for downloading and stuff like that before and you know like little things have been you know dripping out and little leaks of have course. come from it over the past couple of weeks so you've gotten a few hints at stuff that he's uh thinking but uh, um you know i downloaded it last year but I still bought, like, the physical copy of it, Gotta too. got have the I, physical Right, copy. I still like having the physical copy, so I didn't even download it this time. I just waited for the physical copy to come out, and um, I haven't read it cover to cover yet, but, you know, I've picked up a few things.
1: Yeah, I've had mine for a little while now, because you could, you know, if you ordered it to have shipped to you, he sent it out a little earlier, uh, and certainly some interesting stuff. We'll just uh, go ahead and dive into what he thinks the dogs are going to be doing this year, and our man Phil still likes Georgia to win the East and then lose to Alabama in the SEC title game. He does say that uh, his power ratings have them favored in every game, and that could set up an amazing national title game rematch in the SEC title game between a pair of 12-0 and squads. I don't see that happening because it's the SEC, and it's very hard to get through it undefeated. But for him to have Georgia that highly rated just goes to show you that the dogs are... Even though they've lost a bunch in terms of uh, production with players going to the NFL and Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, Roquan Smith, Lorenzo Carter, Davin Bellamy, and so on and so forth, uh, the Dogs, despite losing all that, still will have a lot coming back and still will have a very good shot to make the college football playoff.
2: Yeah, and I think he is right. As you look at Georgia's schedule right now, the dogs—I don't see a spot on there where Georgia's going to be uh, an underdog. You know, sitting here at the the end of June, obviously maybe could... Auburn, but I mean that's a game in Athens. So why would they be the underdog? Right. I mean that'll. You know, right now that stands to be. I think the number that is out there at uh, various Vegas shopping locations is three and a half for uh, for Georgia in that game. But uh, here's the thing, even Alabama's lost at least one SEC game in eight of the last nine seasons. I mean, it really is an e- inevitability that uh, Georgia's going to take a loss this season. And, uh, well, you know, while the schedule to me is not, you know, particularly daunting, um, you know, even a, a trip to LSU doesn't look like a trip to LSU is, you know, maybe looked in past years because of their current head coaching situation. But, uh, there, are, you know, I, there are still potential roadblocks and landmines Throughout it, including those two first month trips to South Carolina and Missouri. I mean, neither one of those games really shape up to be, I think, uh, you know, easy ones for Georgia. And it is interesting that you know, as as the dogs like just pulverized everybody they faced last season. Uh, the two teams that were arguably the most competitive against them during the regular year, outside of you know the the game in South Bend against Notre Dame. But you know, we beat South Carolina by 14 points here, which was our you know, closest margin of victory until, uh, you know, at least in conference play. And, you know, I mean, the Missouri game, I mean, they scored, what, 27 points Mm -hmm. against us? I mean, Drew Locke hit a couple of big passes. Yes, we did almost set a school record for total offense in that game. But, um, you know, that game was back and forth for a good bit of the first half.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, looking at kind of a little further on past the, the SEC title game and Phil Steele's predictions, this is why I have a problem with some, and it's not just Phil Steele. Obviously, I think Phil does a great job, probably the best of anybody that does these preseason magazines. But this is my problem with kind of this whole, I guess, genre or whatever you want to call it, of a uh, uh, predicting what happens in college football. He's got Georgia and Oklahoma playing again in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, that's not going to happen. Like the 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 New Year's Six or whatever you want to call it. You know, it was formerly the BCS. I guess they they don't really like at doing that. You know, where it's like a a rematch of a game the year before. So why would the Sugar Bowl want the Rose Bowl sloppy seconds? He's got Texas and Boise State in the Fiesta. So I clearly think you could just flip flop those. You could have Oklahoma playing Boise State in the Fiesta, and you could have Texas playing Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, and it'd be basically the same thing.
2: Yeah. Also, I mean, is the so he he's thinking the Big Twelve is going to be good enough to get two teams into the uh, the new year six slate of bowl games. Games, but, but not good none enough in the to get
1: to the playoff. That's right. Yeah. Playoff teams, by the way, Alabama, the one seed, Clemson, the two seed, Washington, the four seed, Ohio State, the three seed. So he would have Alabama playing Washington in the Orange Bowl in Miami and Clemson playing Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl in uh, Jerry World.
2: Well, and the other thing that I noticed that I think um – it'd be a little off is the, the notion of, because he has Notre Dame in the Rose Bowl. If Notre Dame is a season good enough to be in the Rose Bowl, they will be in the playoff and not the Rose Bowl.
1: I'd agree with that because, you know, they'll find a way to get them yeah. in. Yeah, they're Notre I, Dame. I, yeah. So
2: if Notre Dame is, is good enough to qualify for what would be an at-large bid then into the Rose Bowl, then they would just put up, slot them into the playoff yeah, instead. Yeah, I'm, so.
1: I'm not necessarily sold on Ohio State. You know, they're, they're a team that I think needs to show me something. They've had it kind of easy in their conference uh, in terms of stuff they've had to go through, I know Penn State was very good uh, a few years back, but it just seems like they haven't been challenged as much because the Big Ten on a whole seems to have been down. Uh, so I don't think they've necessarily been challenged. I don't know if they'll make the playoff. Um, you know, some of the other teams he's got kind of flirting with it. I mentioned Texas and Boise State, I uh, mentioned Oklahoma again. Uh, Wisconsin, the team he'd have playing uh, against Notre Dame in the Rose, and then a Miami versus Michigan in the Peach Bowl. So, you know, I think you know Michigan's a team to, to again to look out for. They'll they'll have Shea Patterson uh, playing quarterback for them as he's been cleared, you know, by the NCAA to go ahead and play. So that makes Michigan a lot more of an interesting program to have that quarterback who a lot of people thought might lead Ole Miss to great things before everything kind of hit the fan there.
2: That which which makes that game against uh, Notre Dame for them in the first game of the season really one of the. Um uh, the the more fascinating games, oh, yeah. not only of the year, but certainly of uh, Week One. I mean, you got Notre Dame hosting Michigan, and you got that Washington Auburn game over uh, over in Atlanta. But for all of the you know the off season chatter that you know people have suddenly noticed, for as as much as Jim Harbaugh like to uh, to brand himself and keep his name in the uh, you know out there in the the press and doing all these wacky things during the off season, guys got one win over Michigan State has not beaten Ohio State yet, and now you've got, even though they don't play each other every year anymore because Notre Dame plays that partial ACC schedule, you do have what would be considered, I mean, historically, really, I mean, Michigan's third biggest rival, Notre Dame. So uh, here would be his first crack against them. If they don't win that game, then suddenly it's, here's a coach that's, that, that hadn't been able to beat Michigan's Top two rivals consistently enough. I mean, one combined win against both of them, Sparty and uh, Ohio State. And if he was to go 0-1 then against Notre Dame, there's Jim Harbaugh on that rap on him where he's just not beating Michigan's rivals. Yeah, exactly. So
1: he's got a lot of pressure on him. There's no question about it. Uh, Really quickly, I just wanted to run through who he has winning all of these conferences, and I just want to get your take on if you agree with uh mr Steele, we started with the sec and obviously he's got alabama winning of course i have to disagree with that well yeah Yeah. i mean obviously we hope it's georgia and alabama playing once again in the georgia dome and this time we hope it goes better uh for the bulldogs but um you know i'm not gonna say that that's like a horrible pick or anything because it's not but uh, it's just not the one that we agree with i think georgia you know is gonna have a lot to say i know that Alabama has Tua Tagovailoa coming back. They have a little bit of a – I don't think they should have a quarterback controversy, but apparently they do. Um, So you've got that situation. I think either way, Georgia or Alabama, yeah, I mean, I'm
2: not going to say that Alabama is a bad pick. Just, well, But only one of those two teams is the defending SEC champion. That
1: is correct, and it is not Alabama. They once again won the national championship despite not playing uh, in their conference title game. Uh, Phil's got Big Ten uh, being won by Ohio State uh, over Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, I can buy that. I mean, it's the Buckeyes, obviously. I think, um, but if I was going to go with a dark horse in that league this year, I'd probably take Michigan State and go with Sparty. But, I mean, my curiosity with – I mean, Michigan is, is interesting to me because I do find, like, a lot of the offseason, um, you know, the noise that surrounds Harbaugh and, you know, wanting to pick at him. They've never finished higher than third in their own division since he's been there, and it, that's all true. But uh, at the end of the 2016 season, they were a bad spot of the ball away from, uh, from playing in the playoff. They got hooked at Ohio State. If they hadn't gotten hooked at Ohio State, they'd have won that game and they'd have been in the playoff. And they ended up in the Orange Bowl that year and lost by a point to, uh, uh, to Florida State. So, you know, they lost, they lost everyone on offense and practically everyone on their defense uh, last year's team. And they ended up 8-5. and five. I mean, I, you know, I think for them it was kind of expected it was going to be a bit of a down year. And it turned out to be. And now it's just uh, a lot of piling on on Harbaugh, which, you know, makes you think that Michigan could, uh, could rise up from that. I'm going to pick Michigan to win the Big Ten. I don't yeah, know why. That's not a bad pick. I don't know
1: why. I'm just going to. I think Shea Patterson. Look, what's the one thing like, we've seen Michigan recruit well? We've seen them have talent on defense under Harbaugh. We've seen them have some offensive talent. They just haven't had the quarterback, and now it seems like they do. Yeah. So I think that could be a big determining factor in I, this. And plus, I just hate Ohio State so much. I, I can't pick them to win my, the Big
2: Ten. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the, yeah I mean the That's one super
1: objective. I
2: know. Right. The one. I mean the one thing that I think somewhat penalizes Michigan just sitting here right now is their schedule. I think they've got three pretty brutal uh, Big Ten road games. They go to Northwestern the week after hosting Nebraska. Northwestern's off a of bye. Then they have to go to Michigan State and go to Ohio State. So that's a tough draw to have to win that division, to have to play two of the other, uh, you know, really four big names in there because you have to include Penn State in that too. Then, then they go to Rutgers. I mean, that's no problem. But at Northwestern, at Michigan State, and at Ohio State, is a pretty tough road draw for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, no question. Uh, moving on to the Pac-12, where Phil's got Washington beating USC uh, to win and advance to the playoff, as we said earlier. I disagree with uh, Phil Steele on his valuation of the Pac-12. He says UCLA is going to finish last in the Pac-12 South. And while I do agree that losing Josh Rosen is huge, Chip Kelly and his schemes and all that stuff, I kind of feel like he's going to be able to grab some wins that maybe you wouldn't think that he's going to. We we all know his track record in the NFL. We also know his track record in college. So so I I would say UCLA will not finish last in the Pac-12 South.
2: There's no way Arizona State isn't the worst team in that division after hiring Herman. He her. right. Yeah, there's no way that they're not going to be the worst team in that division. His
1: Twitter account's been great. Like he just tweets these like motivational quotes like every day. Right. Uh, so you know it's it's great if you're uh, if if you're a little bit down and need some lifting. But uh, that program's going to need much more than that. I totally agree with you. I, I, I think UCLA will probably finish kind of middle of the road in the South. You know that I think they're better, They'll be better than Arizona State and Colorado. They'll have a chance to be better than Arizona. So, you know, I still think USC probably the favorite in the South, even without Sam Darnold. But it's hard to disagree with Washington uh, winning that conference.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. The Pac-12 South, I think, is as wide open a division as there is in uh, in college football, too. Because, I mean, I think Utah and Arizona are definitely in play to, uh, to win that. I mean, I'll say this about the North. I mean, I, I don't think Washington can just – you can't just pass on Stanford and Oregon as potential threats out there, too, but – um, but yeah, I mean Washington with Browning back, with um, with Chris Peterson there now in his uh, fifth season. They also have Miles Gaskin back at uh, running back. So and you know, despite losing Vita Ve on uh, that defensive line, they also return. I mean, most of their their defense, they've got like eight or nine starters back on defense too. So um, you know, they got a combination of experience, uh, especially at a, a key position like quarterback, you know, plus a great head coach. So yeah, I mean, it would be hard to. Uh, they they seem they're definitely the safest bet to win that uh, conference.
1: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, moving to the Big Twelve, uh, he's got Oklahoma and Texas tied for first, and then I guess they'll play again. That that would mean they would play again there in the uh, pa- the Big Twelve title game. And he's got Oklahoma. Uh, well, I'm not exactly sure because he's got Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl and Texas in the um, in the Fiesta Bowl. So I'm not sure if that means he's got one winning over the other. Um, but I will say that it probably will be coming down to either Oklahoma or Texas. But I don't think you can slip on a TCU or a West Virginia this year, especially with West Virginia having the best quarterback in the conference coming back.
2: Yeah, I mean, West Virginia has kind of been that uh, its that, that mindset of it's this is the time for them to strike because they've got the veteran quarterback that is coming back, and you've got uh, Oklahoma's got to replace Baker Mayfield. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that's going to be kind of a, uh, you know, it's an interesting season for them because, yeah, Kyler Murray's going to play for them, but everyone knows it's just one season. He's going to have one crack at uh, at doing something in college football, then he's going to go off and uh, and play for the Oakland A's. Uh, so the pressure's definitely on West Virginia this, uh, this season. I've already called a, uh, for me, a, a dark horse, and I'm not saying win it, but... I mean, I, would, uh, I wouldn't completely just count them out is, uh, is T by T. They did improve defensively last year. You know they're not going to have any problems scoring points, and they get Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia all coming to, uh, to Lubbock this season. So that'd be my team to just keep an eye on as the potential sleeper in the Big 12.
1: And last but not least, for the Power 5 conferences, we'll go to the ACC because we uh, had the SEC, the Big 10, the Pac-12, and the Big 12. Clemson. Clem and his son. That yeah. one seems to be pretty easy to go with. Um, he's got Miami winning the Coastal. And by the way, yes, uh, Tech is on the Coastal side for those of you like me who still don't know uh, what the divisions are in the ACC because they didn't really do it to where it's uh, super easy to figure out. But he's got, uh, like I said, Miami and Clemson and Clemson winning. I think Miami could have a, another good season, but Miami's season ended last year and, in, and I'm just gonna say it in typical Mark Richt fashion you know they were great in the beginning of the season and they, they came up short in a lot of those games on the back end you look at what they were uh, what they were able to do early like I said that thumping of Notre Dame I think really got people uh, thinking that they would be something special and then they beat Virginia but then losing at Pitt the way they did getting just destroyed by Clemson, the way they did in the ACC title game, and then losing to Wisconsin in the bowl game in their own backyard. I mean, that was rough.
2: No, l- watching Miami last year was no doubt we a play we had all s- seen before. The Canes were, were lucky to beat Florida State and Tech. They had those last-second uh, miracle passes against both of them that were basically identical plays in consecutive weeks to win by four and by one. Uh, you know, then they... They almost blew it at North Carolina as a 20-point favorite. But then they turned around. You got Virginia Tech and Notre Dame, those two big primetime games, and they blew both of those teams out. But then, you know, it was just in, inevitable. You could just smell the loss coming. And the day after Thanksgiving at like 11 a.m. in Pittsburgh, was, uh, that was, they were just ripe, and uh, that's when they got upset. And then, I mean, Clemson was just way better anyway, and they blew them out. So, I mean, that's the, the ACC is going to be won by Clemson.
1: Yeah, that one seems uh, pretty easy to determine. Uh, getting back to the SEC, we'll jump to Georgia and a, and a little scheduling talk here on the back end of this episode of The Crossover right here on 960 com. Sam Franco, Chris Brain with you. But I wanted to go back to the SEC and talk about Phil's uh, Phil Steele, by the way. This is kind of what we're doing. We're running down the Phil Steele in this episode. Uh, he says his 2018 preseason All-SEC team, if you notice, he does four teams. Yeah. So first team, second team, third team, fourth team. None of those teams... Have Jake Fromm on them? Does that surprise you?
2: Um. Well, the fact that he has two attack of the on one would be the the one that I would I would kind of pick at. But here's the thing with Fromm coming back is in the postseason last year, as good a year as he had, is he wasn't on the postseason all SEC teams, and the two guys that were are all back: Stidham and Drew Locke. Nick Fitzgerald is uh, is there as well. Um, yeah, they, the inclusion of Tua is the one where I would uh, I would quibble with with not having Fromm in there, but I get with Stidham, Lock, and Fitzgerald. But I mean, here's the thing: Fromm is what three and one against those guys, mm-hmm. Stidham, Lock, and Fitzgerald. It's
1: like, what has Tua Tagovailoa done other than play one half? You know what I mean? I get it; it was a great half. Yeah,
2: but he threw one really big pass, right? And he escaped one sack on a th- third down that I think would have. I mean, when Georgia was still up 13 nothing in that game. I was like, he
1: was very good. He was very good in overtime. He was very good in the second half. But I, I just don't see how you could put him ahead of Jake Fromm, maybe other than the fact that Phil Steele might be thinking that, you know, Justin Fields is going to get a lot more time than maybe some other people are thinking.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, with Tua, there's no way Jalen Hurts isn't going to play a lot this season. And I think that's how they're going to play that. Because, I mean, there's no doubt one of those guys is going to transfer. And... Uh, so, I mean, I think Bama's going to give both of those guys a lot of snaps this season, and when they finally get into a game that uh, that might test them, which, I mean, isn't even until probably November. That's when they make the decision. Yeah, and then you'll see, you know, that's when maybe two will emerge and be the main uh, main guy there. But, no, I mean, the thing that is, and not just with Phil Steele, but – it's you can pick up just oh, about where you're going with yeah this. about any preseason magazine, but for as you know as heavy a favorite as Georgia is to win the uh, the the East this season, disrespect of Georgia's offensive line, yeah, or I mean just the players in general. I mean, <laughs> Georgia has three guys on the first team All SEC. Well,
1: and none of them are offensive linemen. No, like, none... this is arguably going to be one of the best offensive lines in the country. Yeah.
2: And then I mean also DeAndre Swift. I mean DeAndre Swift who's you know, outside Benny Snell and Damian Harris. But, I mean, Missouri has more guys on Phil Steele's first team all SEC than Georgia does. Yeah, and, Georgia uh, has what?
1: Rodrigo Blankenship, DeAndre Baker, and... And J.R. Reed.
2: J.R. Reed, that's yeah. right. be no I mean, first team offense. Which is another guy would be like uh, DeAndre Walker should have a big chip on his shoulder. DeAndre Swift could have a big chip on uh, on his shoulder. But it has just been, because even with DeAndre Walker, I mean, he does have him on a second team, and he's got Swift on a second team, but... It's just been interesting to see that when it comes to just sizing up first-team All-SEC, the, uh, the lack of Bulldogs. Even that uh, Sports Illustrated last week put out uh, the top 100 players in college football, mm-hmm. and uh, DeAndre Baker was the highest Bulldog on it, and he checked in at 46 disrespect man right yeah so you know you're like there are 45 players in the country better than georgia's best player
1: you think kirby's going to use that you know a lot of this uh preseason you know maybe don't pay attention to the noise or whatever but at the same time yeah that's got to be frustrating a team that just played for the national championship and a lot of players that were on that team that are back this year that had big moments and a big impact on georgia last year you know, aren't really getting that respect from the national media. So I think that is going to be a little bit of a chip on the shoulder type thing. And that could be very beneficial for Georgia. Let's uh, let's hope that it is. No,
2: I mean, it's setting up really well because, you know, for the idea of Georgia needing to be careful not to be complacent and everyone's going to yeah. tell you how great you are, you got to worry about that. But then there's there's not the rat poison, as they <laughs> like to call it now, of, you know, well, this individual's going to be a star and that individual's going to – no, he can go to – I mean, some of these guys and say, hey, Jake Fromm. Uh, they, they, they think there are four quarterbacks in the SEC better than you. Or DeAndre Swift, who averaged 7.6 yards a carry last season. <laughs> they know you're not the best running back in the SEC or even one of the two best.
1: Drinking that haterade for yeah. sure. No question about it. By the way, Dave and I will have Phil Steele on the morning show at 8.30 on Friday morning, so uh, you can rest assured that we will be asking him about why he doesn't have any uh, Georgia guys on the offensive first team or really just kind of uh, not as many guys overall as you would think Georgia. Would have for being as in a good a position as they are. So, I yeah. uh, will talk to Phil about that again on the morning show coming up Friday morning at eight thirty. Another bat of with them. Uh, you know, we're you know, we, we, we may throw a few barbs out there. Ju- just saying. Uh, but something else that came up on the morning show, uh, Dave and I just kind of stumbled upon this, and we were very much in disagreement on this issue. So it was uh, it was very interesting. Um, I threw it out there on our Twitter poll. Uh, which is still active uh, you know as we record this it's it's been interesting to follow this uh, it says uh, should f- Georgia football play more in-state opponents like Georgia State Mercer, Georgia Southern and Kennesaw as opposed to small schools like Austin P from other states I would have thrown middle Tennessee in there too uh, Twitter does have character limits and things like that but my opinion is yes like I, I'm I'm someone you know I'm born in the state of Georgia born in Atlanta I would much rather, Georgia pay it forward to some of those other teams and help out teams within your state because if you're going to pay Austin P, what's the difference of paying Austin P and paying Kennesaw
2: State? Well, I can't have the option of not playing any games like that against well, the Well, that's from the thing. That,
1: that, that's not the question because we got some answers on Twitter about it. Like, Georgia shouldn't play any games like that. I'm like, well, that's not the question. Okay. The question here well, is yeah. would you rather Georgia, if they're going to play those small games, would you rather than just play, you know, Mercer or Georgia, say, Alabama's played Mercer. Uh, you know, Auburn's played, I think, Mercer. And, and we were looking at some schedules down the road. Texas plays Rice three times. Uh, two times in Austin, once at NRG Stadium in Houston and they also have UTEP on the schedule
2: so Texas isn't scared of those teams but I mean at least those are actually like you know FBS programs.
1: Georgia Southern and Georgia State are FBS programs? That's
2: true, they are FBS programs now. Um well it, like the, the the argument people make that the schools need to play these games is because yes it, it f- is financially beneficial to the other ones and like they like their football programs wouldn't exist if not which is of rubbish because true. these schools have been playing football for you know as long as anybody has well but a lot without... of it is
1: about the back of some of those games though they make those big checks i'm not talking about like the fbs versions i'm, I'm talking about like the little no,
2: i mean ones. even those little schools have been playing football for decades well, before, Mercer and, uh, before and these Kennesaw. schools started playing them i mean like you know when we played Southern a few years ago. Southern's been playing football since, like, the the 70s. Of course. Um, so, I mean, no, Georgia shouldn't be playing schools like that. But if your argument is like, well, they – Georgia but if you're has going to, to play those games. yeah, because we, you know we have to subsidize those other schools right. so that they can have football programs. Then, yeah, I mean, let's keep that that money in the state. sure. I totally
1: agree, and that's the thing. One of Dave's kind of, and, and you know, I was kind of poking at him, being like, "Oh, so you're scared?" And that was obviously more of a joke. He wasn't scared, but I don't think that intimidation, fear, whatever. Like the the fact that Georgia almost got beat by Georgia Southern here a few years ago should have no bearing on whether you schedule Georgia Southern again or not. Well, because well, you I mean, shouldn't be scared of, of that result happening. Because you're Georgia, you you should beat those teams. And, and if they want to come in here and play, you fine. You should beat them.
2: Well, I get the argument of like Georgia has way more to has nothing to gain from playing those schools and a lot to lose if they, they do did somehow gain, lose though. the game.
1: I think they have karma to gain, and you're paying it forward by helping teams within your own state as opposed to giving that money outside. Of the state to an Austin P or a Middle Tennessee,
2: and yeah, I think look, you help Austin. them too much. Though then you, you build a monster. Well, no, I'm,
1: but I'm, I'm not saying help them too much. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying play Georgia Southern or Georgia State or one of these teams every year. But you
2: should play them. I think you should absolutely. Well, if you're going to play them, I mean, a game like that. But really, it, Georgia should just be playing those games. Period. Well, no, no it, one if, should. If,
1: if I had my way, FC you shouldn't. You would never be allowed to schedule an FCS team again. No, we because need nine think, conference games. Right. I totally agree with you there. But in the way that we have things the set up right now, if you're going to play those games, why are you
2: playing Austin P? Yeah. Well, play no, Mercer, and, play it, Kennesaw. And that's the the counter every time when somebody brings up that that you know, the the ridiculous argument of well, the those schools need those games and so which a bothers me because then it's like, oh, so A Georgia fan, as a Georgia fan, if I want to buy season tickets or even go to that game, then it's I should I'm I'm helping subsidize (laughs) this this program like Austin P. No, I mean that shouldn't be for uh, for me to do. Georgia should they should schedule like a a decent game if they're going to take our money um, for uh, for these ticket packages, but maybe not necessarily just a. you know a a school in the state of Georgia but if that's the case are like well yes you're you're helping to, these programs so they can they can have a football team at least keep it in the south that's then. what i'm saying like when florida and i know the game got stormed out last year and they didn't even play it but like when florida was going to play northern colorado last season or that year we played idaho state mm-hmm. like that we don't need to be playing those games no
1: i agree keep it in the south but i ain't even take it a step further like i, I don't think and i'm it's often p whatever virginia Where where are they? No, they're in Tennessee. Okay, so yeah, that shows how much I know. (laughs) But the point is, if you're going to do that, again, why are you giving that money to a school in Tennessee? Well, yeah. I mean, You got it, Kennesaw, it, you got Mercer at FCS level in your own state that it's going to be just the same type of game. Like that, I, yeah. I think one of Dave's worries was that, well, they're not, like, Austin Peay's not in your state, so you're not going to have as many players from Georgia who felt like they got overlooked by Georgia, and I'm like, I feel like you're thinking about it way too much if you're dissecting it
2: that much. Well, then you're, yeah, I mean, then you're worried about the, the threat of losing, but I mean, I get it, because there's nothing to gain for Georgia, and there is that, you know, that potential threat that is looming out there, so. I
1: just don't think you should be scared of Southern or State or Mercer. Yeah, well, we should just or be playing.
2: On. We shouldn't just be well, playing. Well, no, I tonight, get it, eh? but but again, not the question. <laughs>
1: like, right. Like if the, the question is, if you're going to play those games, should you play them I more would,
2: against teams in your state? I think you should. I, you know, I don't think you know that would put Georgia in a position then where they're basically playing the same teams every single year. Well, I'm not
1: saying to do it every year. I'm just saying that you should favor or you should be more likely to schedule teams in your state than not. I know you can't do it every yeah, year. Yeah, I
2: mean, throw them a bone every now and then. Right. I'm in, I'm fine with that. But I mean, I'm, a, I'm a, at the very least, I mean, Georgia should be. Playing playing if they're gonna play those games, play teams from at least somewhere within the vicinity of the region and don't be playing like Idaho State. Well I think you should schedule home
1: at homes with like I don't think you should be just scheduling home at homes with big like Georgia, Texas. Of course I want to see Georgia, Texas playing home at home. But what about Georgia Purdue? You know, what about Georgia, you know you can't go to Purdue. So, so, but that's the thing. You've got to work out the schedule somehow, and maybe to play some of those teams and get them to come to Athens, you'd have to go there. Wouldn't you rather do a home and home with Purdue than play? I don't know, crappy uh, Austin P. You know? No, I, I'm I'd just rather. Saying.
2: I'd <laughs> rather get Purdue to come here and then Georgia pay whatever's necessary to avoid having to go play there. Well, you could
1: probably do that too. Yeah. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying. Like, what, like, I mean,
2: that would be the the. the the ideal thing well, Get there. more
1: attractive games
2: though. That's the bottom line.
1: Oh, no, yeah. Like, I, mean, yeah, I don't, hands I'd, down. I'd much rather see Purdue. I don't know why I'm signaling them out, but
2: Purdue cuz they have Jeff Brom now. Or a, North Carolina
1: or um USF. You know, I'd much rather see games like that than, you know,
2: Middle Tennessee. No, I, I I'm <laughs> I'm right there with you. But you know, the only thing that's going to make that change, the problem is when Georgia plays those games, the stadium is packed. And so as long as there's the seats are filled for it. Then there's no, you know, because we're fans. And so you think the just,
1: fans need to like take power into their own yeah, hands? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, Yeah, I games. mean,
2: that's the way. If you don't like them, that's the that's unfortunately that's the only way to to make them stop happening. And I know that's tough to do because it's like, well, you want to see your team play, right? Like, I, what do you mean, I? I I, I have to boycott Georgia football. <laughs> yeah, I have, to, and, and that's the thing is Greg McGarity knows that, so they'll just yeah. keep shoveling that same crap your way over well, and over. Because it's like, what are you going to do? Like, boy, I mean, I've waited all year for this. I, what do you mean I, I shouldn't go to see Georgia play Austin P? I, I don't want to see Georgia play Austin P. Well, then don't go to the game. Well, I, I mean. I can't do that. I have to go to the game. Although Gotta support the
1: team, man. Uh, it's funny how the whole noon kickoff thing comes in because this year, for example, it's like, man, why are we playing Middle Tennessee at night?
2: You know what I mean? Can we get that one out of the way earlier in the day? No, I know. Well, yeah, that's where. And I mean, Austin Peay's the same way. Well, we're playing Isn't them at three thirty. Yeah, we're playing them at three, which is great. That's when we should be playing games. Not against Austin Peay.
1: Well, I mean I'd rather well, have that, like, that first week I'd rather play them at noon
2: get it out of the way so I can watch all the other good games that are Well yeah on. I mean the noon games are the drag is when you're playing like you know Arkansas at noon. Well that's that's yeah. the thing.
1: I don't want conference games at noon but non non conference
2: crap games like Middle Tennessee yeah, get and also with. I'm right. fine with getting those out of the way. Or I mean just play them like at like 1:30. One well,
1: personally as someone that has interests outside of sports like this year for example the Middle Tennessee game is on on at night that Saturday night and that's the same time as music Midtown. So you know for people that like to do multiple things, you know, you're, you're playing that game as opposed to playing it at noon and getting out of the way and letting people go do something else. I know that they, they Georgia isn't taking into account Music Midtown, and that's way more of a selfish thing from my perspective, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, playing that game, Middle Tennessee and Austin Pete, it, it, you know, more prime slots is just weird.
2: Well, that'd be a perfect opportunity for them to do you, you go to Music Midtown instead, and then that's like, that's one less person that's watching that crap game.
1: Yeah, Dave didn't like it when I skipped Sanford from using Midtown last year, so I don't think I'm going to be able to do that again. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. All right, that'll wrap things up on this edition of the crossover. San Franco, Chris Brain, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. It's very easy to do. You just search for the crossover, you'll see our logo, uh, the little octagon deal. Kind of looks like a stop sign, uh, but a little cooler than that. Uh, you can check that out on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. You leave us a, a five-star review that uh, helps us out in terms of pushing us up the order of podcasts and things like that, like iTunes likes to do. So we greatly appreciate any reviews, any ratings that we get. Thank you so much for doing that and taking the time to do that. And thank you for taking the time to listen to The Crossover right here on 960 com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on
0: 960theref.com.